Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Triathlon Life Podcast. I'm Paula Findlay. I'm Eric Lagerstrom. I'm Nick Goldston. Uh, and this is our triathlon podcast where we take your questions, try to answer them to the best of our ability with our professional triathlete opinion and Nick's amateur triathlete opinion. Um, Eric and I are both pro triathletes. Nick is an amateur triathlete, professional musician, master of sound. Um, and I usually don't start the pod. So I think the fact that I took the reins and started the pod means that I'm in a good mood for this pod. I'm into it. That was a great intro. Master of sound. Paul, I feel like you've been in a good mood for the last several weeks. Am I wrong? Uh, Is it off-season magic? I'm always in a good mood most of the year, Nick. <laughs> Eric didn't even try Sorry. to contain himself. Can you on bleep that one. my <laughs> your laugh? My <laughs> yeah, it does help to not have like hard sessions and just like an active amount of training that makes you feel happy but not exhausted. Mm. That definitely helps. Choose your own adventure at fifty percent. Yeah, yeah, it's been a good. We're actually back on a schedule this week, so we've. Took four weeks fairly chill, and Eric and Paulo were like giving me shit for not taking the days easy enough or like the rest off enough, quote yeah. unquote. But then I got my Strava monthly recap, which I is accurate because I put everything on Strava except swimming. Right. And I did significantly less hours of training. Although my active days were 28 days. So Eric's thinking like, oh, well, you weren't actually resting. You were still active like pretty much every day. But they were easy workouts. So, But you feel vindicated. Yeah, I was shocked actually how much le- less hours I did this month than, than October. I think this is a great example of how you can use data to say uh, anything that you want it uh, to say. Like I look at this uh, and I'm like yes. 28 active days out of 30 on off season. Quote unquote. And Paul is like, oh, look, it says that I only did 27 hours of activity instead of my normal 67. So mm. yeah, you can you can use it however you want. But um, So I was down 31 hours from last month. I was down 700 kilometers from last month. And I was down 7,000 meters of climbing from last month. 7,000 meters of climbing? Yeah. I would call this down season. Not, not off. Yeah, because when we're doing like three, four hour rides, we'll climb like one or 2,000 meters, you know? I, I think ultimately what we did is that we did things as they sounded fun. We didn't hold back from a bike ride this afternoon because it's beautiful sunshine and we're in Tofino. Sounds nice when we did that, you know? Versus for me, from my perspective, since I had like a little mountain bike crash and the whole situation, I was less exhausted this off season than I have been in the past. And I was kind of, up for these activities. Whereas in previous years, I was so flattened that sitting on the couch sounded fantastic. And I think that's kind of the takeaway here is like, we listen to our bodies, we listen to our hearts and we kind of went with what sounded good. And right now we both feel as though like we could take on a new schedule. Uh, speaking, of, speaking of rest, do we want to start with that? With our little experiment? Yeah. Okay, I mean, let's, let's, let's start with that. Let's yeah. start with that. So uh, weeks, even months ago now, we teased this idea of doing a little sleep week that Eric and I would do. Paula, by the way, are you interested in joining us on this? I mean, you might as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do the same things as Eric, so I might as well. But the problem is I don't have any device on my fingers or toes or wrists uh, that measures my sleep quality. We, so we, I don't- we replaced your aura ring with a... An engagement a special, ring. more special ring. I don't know. I just felt like when I looked at my aura ring data, it was like, "Oh, you slept like shit. You slept so little hours." And then I would just get worried about it. 
and mentally it affected me. So I just sleep when I sleep. I feel pretty good in the day and that's enough guidance for me. I don't need to see the metrics, but that is the minority. I know most people have all the gadgets that tell them how their sleep is and including you too. So I think the cool thing about sleep because you can compare your normal data to this week where you're elevating your effort We're to going sleep all out. well. Yes. Maximum effort into sleeping well. So I'll participate in all the things Eric's doing to better his sleep, but I won't be able to know if it's actually improving my sleep. Well, you didn't just go like chime in anecdotally. I feel good. Yes, that's yeah. what I think. That's what I think. Okay. I think that's, I mean, one of the things I was reading as I was doing some research on what parameters to set was one of them was to not really trust devices that measure sleep. Not give them too much trust, okay. which, I th- which mm. is interesting because that's what we're going to now use to kind of try to measure it in some way. But I think there's some truth to that. Like I see the way my parents talk about their sleep. It's like, oh, I only got 35 minutes of deep sleep last night. And in my head, I'm like, is your watch really able to measure when you're in deep sleep versus REM? Like, yeah, what I'm if your sure- arm was like on behind your head and like cutting off blood flow and... Whatever. Right. There's there's so many different things that could that could affect that. But maybe in a more broad sense over spans of time, like a week, it is accurate enough to be able to at least yeah. make a trend yes. out of it. That's so, what so, I think. Nick, please give a brief debrief a brief debrief of how we'll conduct this study amongst you two and all of the listeners who want to participate. This is just like mission brief. This is not a debrief. This is We're, up brief. Yes, this is up brief. This is up um, brief. It's just, a, it's just called a brief, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so everyone <laughs> that's, who's listening, we would love for you to partake in this with us. Starting on, do we want to say starting on Thursday? Tomorrow. When the pod yeah. drops. Yeah. Right. When the pod drops. That's when most people listen. We get about half of our weekly listens on Thursday. So... If you're listening to this on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, you just start then and do a week from then. But on Thursday, these are the parameters. First of all, and this is probably going to be the hardest one for most people, including myself, I want like a locked in, go to sleep and wake up time. So I don't Mm. wake up with an alarm uh, and I go to sleep at various different times. So that means like maybe we say, you know, you can set your own, but for me, it might be uh, 10... 10 o'clock in bed, 10.30, lights out, eyes closed. Mm. Something like that. And those 30 minutes, Nick, no phone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's the second thing. The second thing is no screens 30 minutes before bed, which is going to be a challenge for Paul and I were talking about this beforehand. I am on my phone until two seconds before I go to sleep. There is no buffer at all. It's immediate sleep. Okay, so locked in sleep wake times, no screens 30 minutes before bed. Next one is no caffeine six hours before bed, which I don't think any of us do so far, right? No. Contrary to popular belief, Paula and I are not addicted to espresso and we will have no problem not having it six hours before bed. Right, right. Um, Okay, next one might be hard for some people. No alcohol all week. Let's do a week without alcohol, people. You can do it. Next one is no drugs, and that includes marijuana for all the places where it's legal and where it's not. <laughs> all the awesome states. All the, all the sex states. I think it's legal in Canada, too. Um, yeah, it is. We have many listeners. I'm sure some of them partake in marijuana consumption. And I'm sure a lot of people use it as a, a sleep aid. The things I was reading was that it's... Uh, it's not conclusively better for your sleep the way that people like to believe. Mm. Um, it might be anecdotally, but the research is not conclusive yet. 
Uh, next thing is no melatonin. So there's no, no performance enhancing sleep drugs as well. We're getting well, at. We, we're going to get to that later. All natural. There, cu- there are a couple of performance enhancing enhancing sleep drugs that we will be using. Okay, but oh. they're not quite drugs. But oh. uh, it's just like uh, supplements. The bed is not allowed to be used for anything other than sleep. So no naps <laughs> during the day. No. Get your mind out of the gutter, yeah, Paula. I instantly thought of naps. No, so I'm, I, I don't know if that's allowed to be an exception. Well, we won't go into that. But no naps, <laughs> no like laying on there, working on your computer, nothing like that. It's made just for this week, sleep alone. You know, you can get creative with the other things. If you want okay? to be ideal. If you want to be ideal. Yeah. Yes, if you want to be ideal. If you're taking this seriously. And then finally, uh, try to avoid naps. But if you do take them, they got to be under 30 minutes. Okay, mm. which is hard for me because sometimes I'll take an hour, hour and a half nap, which is mm. insane to some people to hear, but I just need it sometimes. Um, so those are all the those are all the parameters here. Um, I think I'll post these on. Should we post these on the TTL story? Do you want me to put it on my story tomorrow so people can kind of like screenshot it if they need to? I mean, if you can put it together, we can put it on the TTL story. And okay, that's what we'll do. I already have it put here in both in places. And then uh, we're talking about the Instagram, the That Triathlon Life Instagram account here. Uh, and then Eric and I are going to be doing uh, Pillar Performance makes something called Triple Magnesium, and it's supposed to aid in muscle recovery and sleep quality. So we're going to be taking that every night. It's something I kind of already was doing. Eric, do you mm-hmm. consistently do that? I dip in and out of uh, of um, having this as a habit, but yeah, when I'm on same. it and when I'm training hard and I really, really care, then I do it, yeah. Same, same. Uh, and then Athletic Greens first thing in the morning. Uh, I don't think these are uh, huge deal breakers, but I, w- I will be doing those things. And everyone else can kind of experiment with their stuff as well, but I feel like it would be fun if, as a, as a family here, we stuck to the those first things we talked about. Yeah, I mean, to me, like the, the pillar performance in the Athletic Greens, like those are like routine things. And this whole thing with, with sleep is like a routine concept yep. and, and having regularity and everything. And the more you can reinforce that, the better. It makes me think of my grandma who's 100 years old and still very healthy. She, you know, she doesn't do anything that, she's not like a health person at all. But she, the one thing I will say about her that really worked for her, uh, in my opinion, is she always eats at the same time every day. And she Mm -hmm. always goes to sleep at the same time every day. And she always wakes up at the same time every day. And she's probably not sitting on Instagram. She's not doing that. No, she's, she solves the crossword every day. Yeah. That's that's probably good as well. Yeah. Um, Okay. That's interesting. That's, that's sleep week. So uh, in in a week, we're going to do a poll and see how people did, if they feel like they did better. So, and we're also going to debrief. We're going to finally really hard. Yeah. By the way, there was a question that where I didn't end up including on the pod, but that I thought was really good uh, related to sleep. I have a question about a top female pro triathlete. Did Paula Finley yawn three times during the last podcast and was the biggest and loudest one with the boys started talking cameras? I was listening while training and yawns are contagious. Thanks for a great show. I mean, I didn't, yeah. even, I didn't even have to go back and look at the data to say, yeah, it would, <laughs> the, big, the loudest yawn would be during cameras. Well, I mean... <laughs> You guys, we record this pod in the evening, so sure, sure, the yawning sure. is not really out of boredom. And actually, I have my own camera now. Eric bought me a new camera this week, so I earned it through taking good iPhone photos. He noticed that my framing and my eye was good for pictures, so I got the same camera that Lindsay Corbin has. It's like Ooh. kind of a fun, yeah, um, easy to use, but takes really good pictures. I'm not going to tell you guys which one it is, because... 
One, I don't know. Proprietary information. Because <laughs> one, I don't know. That's the real reason. Classified. I don't know what camera it is. It doesn't even matter to me, but it's cool. It's nice. It looks cool and it takes super cool pictures. So I'm excited to get to learn it better and like learn about all the numbers and not just use it on auto all the time. It's a vibe. Yeah. So although it may appear I am bored by cameras, I actually am not. Just bored by video cameras. I'm bored by drones. <laughs> yeah. Just because I think like the number of drones you need is one, not five. It's definitely N plus one. No, it's just Just one. like bikes. It's the same yeah. as bikes. <laughs> it's actually it's to relate it to something you understand, it's skis. Drones are like skis. They have different purposes. Okay. They do different things. Um, I guess right before we jump into questions, I will make one last ditch uh, thing of like when this comes out, you will have, what will you have? Like 24 hours left to order a TTL kit. Yep. For 2024. And if you want to race in a TTL kit or represent TTL Nation at the races, make friends instantly, this is your chance. Yep. And uh, all of the, the proceeds that we make from that go towards supporting the TTL development team, which is a group of young athletes that we will, we're in the process of selecting right now for 2024. We've got a lot of great applications. And this is our favorite thing that we do all year. It's very close to our hearts and um, it's, it's a way that we give back. So if you want to be part of that, Go to thattriathlonlife.com and you will see very easily how you can be a part of that and it's order on the a kit. Page. Order a tech tee, do anything like that is uh, going for a good cause and something we're psyched to do. So that's that. And we can do questions now. I ordered mine. I'm, I'll be racing that next year. FedEx, God's willing. Which one did you get? As if I don't know. I mean, it's the cream dream, of course. I, mm. I absolutely love that colorway. When I so first tasty. saw it, it was like electrifying in my whole body. Yeah, you're the reason that that came to, came to be. I like sent like five or six screenshots of different things that I was mocking up, and and that was that was the one. Yeah, I just love. That it's one. I didn't even realize, but it's very Oilers vibes. Edmonton mm. oh, Oilers. Is it? Well, that's their colors is like orange and blue and mm. cream, and it Navy-ish. was not our intention when we orangish made it, but it's at retro Oilers vibes. Yeah. Okay, hmm. so also Psyched. we're going to get into questions here. I also, I thought it would be fun to ask our listeners a question this week. And it's going to be on uh, Spotify. You can, you can, if you listen on Spotify, you can answer the poll here. And my question is going to be, how many triathlons have you done? If you're, if you listen to this podcast and there's going to be ranges, but I'm curious to hear how many people that listen to this podcast have never actually participated in a officially organized triathlon because I think mm. it might be more than we expect. Very interesting. Can't wait. Results so we'll, next week. Yeah, we'll see. Results next week. Um, anyway, on to questions. And you can submit your own questions at thattriathlonlife.com slash podcast. And you can also become a podcast supporter there. As you've noticed, we do not do ad reads on this podcast. So all of our support comes from the podcast listeners through their monthly support. Thank you so much to the monthly supporters who are already supporting us. First thing we're going to do is some bike tech with Eric. Bike tech with Eric! And Eric, we have three, so you're going to have to be efficient with your answers here. All right, hit me. First one is from Jason. I've been traveling for races and find taking the pedals off to pack the bike a difficult task. Any tips or recommended tools, Jason? Jason, don't tie them on like a silverback gorilla. Yeah, that's the main tip. <laughs> um, I, I definitely push the limit with how loose that I put on our pedals, but we've never had one spin off. And the way that they are threaded, 
by the act of you pedaling the bike should tighten the pedal. So they don't need to be crazy tight, whatever, you know, if you want to put a Newton meter or torque wrench on there and everything, like go for it. Um, but that would be tip number one. And then if you have speed pay, speed play pedals, I think you'll probably need an actual pedal wrench. Otherwise all other um, speed, all other pedals, I think you can use a, I think it's like an eight millimeter. Yeah. Allen wrench. And I just keep, I just keep those in there. And uh, just remember like, basically you're always going to be wanting to spin the wrench backwards. So back the, off is how I remember back that. Back off. So on the, on the right side, you're, Spinning it backwards, and on the left side, you're also spinning it backwards, which is, you know, the the left side's reverse threaded, the right side is, yeah, correctly threaded. Yeah, it's funny how we all have our ways to remember it. Um, to me, it's like the mm-hmm. drive side is threaded normally, and then the non-drive side is threaded reverse. <laughs> but yep. that doesn't apparently that does not help a lot of people. When I tell that, they're like even more confused. If if back off makes sense to you, then roll with that. But um, yeah. there's there's really no uh, there's really no mystical science to this. Just having the right tool for the job. My, anecdotally, I just want to, I don't know if you guys remember this, at Cabo, when I did not bring a pedal wrench and I hand tightened my speed play pedals onto my cranks and they're smooth cylinders. So they're extremely hard to get any kind of grip on and rode on them and they were perfectly fine. Yeah, I would not advise this. Of course not. Of course not. But just to-, to In to, a Mexican pinch. Right. It will work. It's, it's, my point is not to hand tighten your pedals, which is obviously dumb. But my point is when Eric's saying he puts very little torque on them and they are fine, this supports that theory. Yes. And they were, they, and they were not loose when I had to take them off. They had tightened. Um, They tightened themselves a slight, a slight, a slight bit. So, Nick, here's the real question. Mentally, just be like, that's pretty tight. Not like, wow, that's tight. Nick, did you take them off with your bare hands as well? No, I could not. Oh, okay. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, There we go. Could not take them off. Leave your pedal wrench at home, ladies and gentlemen. That's interesting, dude. <laughs> That's interesting, dude. So, what are the what are the brands where you can't use the Allen key? Uh, it's just speed play, speed play, I think. Just speed play. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. that'd be a deal breaker for me. Yeah, my time pedals are Shimano pedals, obviously, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Next, next question. Next question here. Hello, TTL humans. Oh, this is from the point of view of a dog, by is- the way. Uh, bike tech question for Eric. My owner is insisting on spending my dog treat money on his bike toys. Now he is looking at getting a wax chain set up. Are the benefits worth the cost and have you been using them for a while? Or is he wasting his money on what he should be spending on my treats? Before I start chewing up his pillows and protests, I wanted to ask you first. Sincerely, May the Vizsla. So I did some research on this, but curious, Eric, like your top of mind thoughts. Here's the thing. Your human cares about you way more than you think. And they're probably thinking about you while you're asleep and they're at their job <laughs> all day long. So just just keep that in mind. And if there's an opportunity that your human has to do a thing that will make them happier in their life, you should support that. May, the Vizsla. Wow. Um, That's deep. But wax chains, I, this is kind of like a, a thing where it's, it's it kind of depends on your human and how much they care about every last thing that they do, right? Um, it's not a huge difference, but it is a thing. And if you add that up with like getting a little bit nicer wheel set and you're getting the arrow helmet and all these other things, then yeah, you get like three watts here and five watts there and seven watts there. And ultimately that could end up being 10 minutes over the course of your humans, Iron Man. So we are now doing, we're not doing the full like dip the chain in the crock pot full of wax situation. 
Paul and I at this point in time. I'm going to experiment without over the off season, but what we are doing, cleaning the chains with an ultrasonic cleaner, getting them like mirror shine, and then using a high quality wax lube on the chains. Where this is like a lube where you want to like drop a lube a, a drop on every single link, and then let it dry, and, and for at least like. 10 or 15 minutes before you were to ride it. So it, it's kind of, it's like 90% of the way to a wax chain. Right. With not quite as much work. It seems like it's a, when I, when I think about it from a zoomed out point of view, I'm like, if you're getting a wax chain, I would hope that you have optimized everything else. Yeah. Your fitness is super dialed. Your, your bike is super dialed. Everything is nice and clean. It's definitely not one of those first things that you would check off a list. It's one of like the last things that I would check off a list personally. Unless you're just a techie person and that stuff is fun to you. You know, like exactly. if, if, if if that sounds fun and you've got the time to do it, then yeah, heck yeah, go for it. And that will make up for a couple of watts that you lost because you've got a kid or a dog and you had to take the dog for a walk and you couldn't optimize your training, whatever. Like it's fun and it's cool to hang out in the garage. I like it. So that's why we do it. And it's and if you do it like consistently, your drivetrain is really clean. That's a yeah. nice. Some people like that advantage yeah. of it. It is irrefutably better, but you just got to decide if three to five watts is enough for you to to spend that hour and a half in the garage doing the process. And and I feel like the, the last detail here that is very important is that a wax chain does not last as long as a normal chain. It only lasts a few hundred miles before you have to wax it again. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is this is join the process. Miyagi san, wax on, wax off. Yes. You're, you're spending time with your bike nice. in the garage. Very nice. Uh, okay. Next question here is from Kirsten. Hi, TTL. I got a bike tech with Eric question. Any tips for finicky disc brakes? I've taken my bike to the shop multiple times and tinkered with it myself, but nothing seems to fully fix my problem. An alternating combination of low power squealing and rubbing. I've tried cleaning them, sanding down pads and rotors, lightly oiling the pistons, and finally changing the pads. Should I have gotten new rotors at the same time as new pads? Is there a problem with swapping those out now after new pads? Thanks, you guys, for sharing your time and expertise with us amateurs. Have a restful off-season, Kirsten. By the way, I might as well have written this question because I'm having the same issue right now. Mm. And I've had the same issue many different times. So I'm curious to hear your answer, Eric. Okay, so step one, Paula. What would we do if your brakes were rubbing and we were out in the woods? Are you are you phoning a friend, Eric? I am. I think Paula knows the answer to this, like, step one. Loosen up my brake pad things. Spin the wheel, clamp on the brakes, and then tighten those bolts back down. That should, like, realign, center your brake Oh, pads. you loosen them first. Spin it. Yeah, loosen them it, first. Tighten them. Yeah. Exactly. So that should center things. And if that's not getting to the root of the problem, then... Yeah, all those things that you said are potential next steps. I have like a, a slew of questions. Like, are you using SRAM? Are you using Shimano? Are you, you know, you know, like, have you bled the brakes recently? That could be it. Whole bunch of things. I think you have to bleed brakes more than you think you do sometimes. Not like several, several times a season, but at least once a season, right? Mm-hmm. If you're Is using it a lot. Are these TT oh brakes? Are these road bike levers because i i will say that like at least with our sram stuff our sram road levers have needed significantly less tweaking than the tt levers i, I don't know why i think it's just like the amount of fluid that's there what the construction um the the, the tt bike levers are slightly more finicky um but mm. i have been able to get it by following the sram 
YouTube video about bleeding brakes to a T. When I was like, oh, I know how to bleed brakes and I've bled a lot of Shimano brakes in the past and I'm just going to follow that same process. Didn't quite work. But when I followed like the SRAM online thing to a T, our, our TT bike brakes are now good. And you think the brakes, you know, bleeding brakes properly can help the pistons retract further? No, nope. for I, that, you need a pad splitting tool. As I think that often has been the problem for me. Yeah, so so it's like just this fancy looking wedge sort of aluminum thing. And anytime we're having a problem with our brakes or whatever, I just jam, you know, you take the wheel off and everything and you jam this in there and it spreads the pads apart a little bit and that effectively resets them. And then by grabbing the brake levers, they re- um, Center. They recenter to to like they're kind of magical in the way that this works, assuming that like your pistons are oiled and, and moving flu- fluidly and everything. Um, that would that would be my second step is to use the pad splitting tool. But never pull the levers unless the wheel is on. Yes, that's also a good one because then they stick together. Yeah, Eric, you um you take the pads out of there first before you jam nope. the thing in there, right? Oh, you, that that thing goes between the actual this is pads. Made to, this is made to split with the pads in there. Yep. So oh, it's very that's simple. Kind of nice. Yep. And it's it's like there's quite a bit of resistance, and you got to like kind of shimmy it and work it in there and everything. But then they're pretty wide, and then you give the lever a couple of squeezes once the disc brake uh, rotor is in there, and they should theoretically be centered. Wow. Assuming again that you've done like spin the wheel and center the whole caliper, and you might have to go back and forth a couple times of like do the pad splitting tool, grab the brakes, center it, loosen the brakes, you know, the, yeah. the whole thing. You guys, now I am yawning. Wow. Okay. Uh, last thing I'll say, Kirsten, is that to, if it eases your mind, I did replace my pads and my rotors at the same time, and they were still squealing a lot, and I did the best I could at um, bedding them in, and it still isn't perfect. So uh, I'm sure a, a, a better bike mechanic would have done a better job, but if you're anything a, like I me, I have a quick question. Just as bad. Yeah. It is related to this, even though I'm over this question. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> if your brakes are making like a noise, does it mean you're actually like, how much is that actually slowing you down? Like how many watts are you having to overcome? So if oh. you hear him rub, rubbing in a race, is it like, oh my God, that's like 20 watts? Or is it so insignificant? It's just the noise. And if you block it out of your consciousness, it really won't affect your race outcome. It depends on the noise. Okay. If it's like a shing, shing. Shing, yeah, shing. Then it's negligible. Fine? Negligible. If it's like, that might not be negligible. Okay, okay. If it sounds like a French ambulance. Then that's yeah, if you not can like spin sign. the, if you can spin the wheel and you just hear shink, shink, and it's not slowing down the rotation of the wheel at all, then it's probably fine. I would, yeah, just deal with it. Okay. Um, a way, a way to kind of prove that is like if you make the wheel spin when it's not on the ground, and it's like. How much resistance, like push it with your finger. How many watts do you think your finger is able to push slowly? And it's still yeah. going through that brake section, then it's obviously it's not. That, that's what I'm saying. This is a, a free spinning, not on the ground yeah. situation. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Um last and final thing that I'll say was when I'm at a complete loss and nothing else has worked, I will visually align the brakes by hand. Actually looking at them from like underneath the bike in just such a way that you can see how much space is between the right caliper and the left caliper and like line them up visually and then spin the wheel. And that's my last ditch thing. I've had to resort to that many yep. times. It does many work. Many times. Yeah. 
Because sometimes that technique you said about loosening up the the caliper there and then tightening the brakes and then tightening the caliper, sometimes it just like it moves over to the side every time for me on my bikes. Yeah. And there's just no way around it. I have to manually move it with my hand and do exactly what you just said. Yeah. There you go. DM me if you still can't figure it out. Because <laughs> oh, we could talk about this for like three hours. Oh, 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 poor Eric. Eric. oh, oh poor Eric. No, just this person, not just anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All other people will be disregarded. Yeah. We'll give you okay. a free 15-minute FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there you go, Kirsten. Okay, on to the real questions here. This one is from, oh no, Anne Gregory Duclos. What? <laughs> From Quebec, Canada. Maybe that's why I can't pronounce oh. it. Uh, the question is, hi, all. Received my crew neck last week, and I couldn't be more stoked. I love it. Phew. I was wearing it at my job today, and some of my colleagues who are obviously not triathletes were making the remark that the logo looks a little bit like the Death Star from Star Wars. After a little giggling, I was trying to explain to them what it was representing, but in fact, I don't really know. Can you explain the logo and the process behind it? So this is a great question. Amazing. Um, and it brings up a... a, a a person too that Eric and I are, but well, all three of us are fond of. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll be back in early 2020 pandemic had just hit and we had come up with this idea for that triathlon life, but we didn't really have any sort of whatever, just a set of words. And I put out a call out on Instagram, like, Hey, if, if anybody has any sort of graphic design experience or whatever, we're looking to come up with some sort of a logo or a look or whatever to like put behind this word a set of words that means something and just give it a visual representation. And a, a bunch of people reached out. And one of the people that reached out said like, oh, I've got a background in, in branding and stuff and yada, yada. And I, and I responded and started chatting with them. And it turned out that this person was Ralph Dunning, who is like a guru of branding, has had a, a very successful couple of apparel companies. And, but I didn't know that at the time. And we started talking and, we, and um, we ultimately went through this exercise of like, what do you think TTL, that triathlon life means and what does it stand for? And what are like kind of the ideas that you have for like what the aesthetic of it would be? And we threw out like surf culture and being outdoors and uh, water, obviously, and these things. So he came back to us with a, a couple of logos and, and this was the one that, that we really, that we really gravitated towards. And <clears throat> so like kind of the water in it could be interpreted as a person swimming. It looks a little bit like a person who's like doing a freestyle. Um, and then we got the sun in there and the sky. And, and it just, it, it felt like it really represented our love for the outdoors and, and like this kind of retro, casual, fun aesthetic that we, you know, just associate with the brand. So And the colors were good too. Yeah. And, We've and recently done some like remakes of colors, but the, original, the OG colors are still yeah. always going to be there. By the way, Nick, it's a very simple name. Her name is Anne. Did I, did I copy paste it incorrectly? Last name was the question, I think. The last name, yeah. Gregoire Duclos. That's yeah. You say it like it's so easy. Gregoire Duclos. Yes, but I I, I just sound it out syllable by syllable. French immersion. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's it. Anne Gregoire Duclos. Mm. Well, there you go. Anyway, I don't know if you're keeping that in the pod, but that's her name. So so to arrive at the colors, like I I sent in a kind of a couple of vision boards to Ralph um, and his team that had like colors that we really liked and that we wanted to use in kits and stuff, and and that's kind of where the TTL colors and logo came from. They sent us. I think at that time, even we'd, you know, thrown that triathlon life out there, but people on the YouTube channel started calling it TTL. So they mocked up a couple of TTL looks for us and everything. And I don't know, we, we couldn't be happier if we feel like it really represents uh, 
how we feel about triathlon and what we want to put out there into the world. And the kind of perfect circle thing too is that the foreign rider film that Eric and I made in Hawaii was for Ralph. Ralph mm-hmm. actually had us make the film for his company. So it was kind yeah. of a nice symbiosis there. Yeah. yeah. And we we did that the hoodie with them and everything. Like Ralph and I align so much on the way that we see the world and, and the kind of uh, vibes or energy that we want to put out into the world via our little companies. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's really perfect. I feel so blessed that uh, he reached out to me on Instagram and I answered it. And, uh, you know, just like you, Nick, not to get too uh, gushy and emotional or anything, but right. um, read your right. DMs, people. <laughs> you never know. Never know where yeah. they could lead. Okay, next question here is from Andrew. Hey, TTL crew. Some only kind of related to triathlon questions. First one is Strava tells me that Nick's bike's names include Ghost and Bullet. What are all of your thoughts on the practice of naming bikes? Do all of you do it? And if so, what are some of your bikes' names and how do you come up with them? First of all, I used to name my bikes what they were, the models they were called. And then I had two bikes stolen and I got super paranoid. So that's why Uh. I did that. I also made, for years, my account was uh, like by request only uh, because I was paranoid that people were following me and and totally stealing. This would have been before the like protect the perimeter of my house by a kilometer or whatever function. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never been super into naming bikes. I, I did name the last couple of ones just on Strava, but it's not like I'm walking out to the garage and I'm like, Oh, want to go for a ride? Black beauty. <laughs> but I did like name them just for fun on, uh, on Strava. Paula, did you name your bikes at all? Yeah. I've never named a bike. I've never named a car. The only thing in my life that I've ever named is Flynn. Mm. Wow. I, I was never into naming cars either, but I did name my, I don't remember, that was a 1986 Winnebago because I felt like <laughs> the first time that I drove it, I felt like I needed to talk to it. Otherwise it might <laughs> stop working. And so we like actually oh, had wow, a, like great. a relationship and it, we would like make it over a hill and I'd like sm- smack the dashboard and be like, oh. I had a girl, you yeah, know, that's right. otherwise well, like Eleanor. Yeah. Eleanor. Eleanor. So a 1986 Winnebago Landon, if you want to Google that. 26 footer. Tesla makes you name their cars. They don't, they don't make you, but they very highly encourage you to name the car. Like, so, so that you, you see it in the car? app and on the screen. Uh, the old one, the first one was called Wally, I had. Okay. Then my dad named his car and we swapped cars, and that one was called Sneaker. Sneaker's such a good name because Teslas are so quiet. Yeah. It's so clever. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. Not surprised that your dad came up with the best name. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Uh, okay, next one here is, is still from Andrew, but this is the second part of the question. After powering me through many bike intervals this season, the TTL Kids S Work in It landed on my top 10 songs for my 2023 Spotify wrapped. I was bummed, though, mm. that the TTL Kid didn't even have an artist video message for me as a top listener this year. TTL Pod subscriber bonus message, perhaps, just as a thought. Anyway, in addition to the TTL Kid and Trixie Mattel, who else is in your Spotify rap for 2023? First of all, I did not think that anyone would ha- that TTL Kid would be anyone's top song, but many people screenshotted and sent me that the TTL Kid was their top played uh, that Swerkin' It was their top played song of the year, including including me. Yeah, <laughs> Paula. I, know. I just like got so obsessed with that song at the time and was like listening to it on the train or on repeat and stuff. So that's why it has the most listens of any song. And I will say that I don't normally just get obsessed and stay obsessed with the song. So like my repertoire of songs is quite large. So I don't know what it took for that to be my top song, but it was, it made me super happy when it was. Yeah, me too. I, I felt, I felt touched. Yeah. 
Eric, what was your top song on uh, Shopify? Shopify. Shopify. I opened uh, Shopify and Spotify in the same amount. Spotify. Spotify. Right there. Um, It's called Cool One by 12 Point Buck. I thought it was a PD song. PD's my top artist. I'm in top 1% of all PD listeners. (laughs) PD's so good, actually. Um, Yeah, I could actually just... I'll I'll give you my little 20-second rundown of the artists that I really loved this year. So the artists that I loved this year, I'd say number one was Petey, P-E-T-E-Y. Eric and I really bonded over that too. Um, And then this this band Joan, J-O-A-N, came out with an album this year that was called Superglue that I was totally obsessed with. I think my maybe... Like earlier on in the year, I was completely obsessed with an album by this guy, Jacob Zatecki. Zatecki. Jacob is J-A-K-U-B, Zatecki, Z-Y-T-E-C-K-I. He's like a prog guitarist, like might go over some people's heads. But that, and then I always listen to this guy, Kiefer, a lot. My number one song, though, was a song by M. Field, a song called Andrew. Um, it's I don't know why. I was obsessed with the song for a while. Super cool song. Disclaimer. Mm-hmm. If you li- if you go Google all these things or whatever Shopify Spotify these things oh, that boy. Nick is into, they're going to be there's some deep cuts. These are some artsy like musicians appreciate them. You know, not like one hit wonder type stuff. I do think there's especially Joan. I think I don't know. It is a little yeah. It's not it's not making top forty, but I think anyone could enjoy it. That's what that's what I think. That's the kind of music totally. I try to make too, like music that yeah. musicians would like, but that also non-musicians would like. Okay, so Eric, what about you? What do you got? Cool one, 12 Point Buck, Good Luck by Broken Bells. Good song. England Skies um, by Shake, Shake, Go, and Epic Empire. High Beam by, I don't know how to pronounce this, but Shogren, S-J-O-W-G-R-E-N. One, two, three, four. That's like four. Uh, number five, Mouth of the Beast by Christoph Kane. And uh, I guess hot teaser, I am working currently on two new playlists to share with the world. Oh, very One's kind of like a little bit more mellow and one's a little bit more hypey for this winter. And those will all be on there. Nice. Cool. I'm going to be doing more TTL Kids stuff coming out soon too, by the way. Stuff that has been previously put into into YouTube videos for TTL. That's fun. Okay, next question here is from Porter. This was originally going to be a rapid-fire question, but Nick suggested otherwise. Do you think it's harder... Oh, this is such a good question. Do you think it's harder to get to a professional level of fitness or to maintain a professional level of fitness? Get. Get. Maybe impossible for some people. Yeah. Isn't that... Oh, for sure. What most people are kind of trying to do? Yeah, but I feel like... Often we see these people who have this meteoric rise and then they're never able to to get back to that point again. I wouldn't say I wouldn't that say was easy. I wouldn't say that's often. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus because I feel like most of them are our friends, but I feel like I, I've seen it quite a few times. Okay. Well, yeah, I would still say getting there. Mm, yeah. All these kids that are applying for the TCL Devo team trying to get... To a professional level of fitness, but fitness is such a weird term because yeah, I right. think there's probably a lot of people that are slower at racing than me, but are tech, quote unquote fitter than me. There's so many right. elements that come into racing well. Yeah. That um there's, you know, crossfitters that are fitter than me. What does fitter mean? I don't know. Well, I think we're talking in, in the world of triathlon, right? Within the scope yeah. of swim bike run. Yeah, yeah, I would even say there's some like age group people that are fitter than 
me. Mm. Yeah. Train more hours, maybe. Well, yeah, then they're f- that's fitter, right? I wouldn't say that's no, fitter. No, that's not, fitter. That's I, not I fitter. I would say fitness is is the ability to do the task that is required. I think it's like <laughs> holding the amount of power for that amount that amount of time in a certain aerodynamic position. Yes. Fit yeah. for the task, fit for the job. Right, right, right. Okay. So to very professionally, you have to be fit for that. Yes. I will say that this weekend, I, I feel like we were all happy that we were not at Indian Wells this weekend. I, my friend Keith was first out of the water, overall age group, first out of the water, was at the front of the race biking, and then Macaulay Eden <laughs> passed him at one point, but was like on the front of the race for a while, didn't have the run he was hoping, but still had a pretty good run, and ended up being ninth in his age group. Keith. I just feel like it's becoming, it's like, it's so hard to be good. I, and I don't know. I, I'm just frustrated, I guess. This has nothing to do with anything, but how how fast the age group field is. Maybe you're going to go see your doctor about low testosterone. <laughs> get a, get a TUA. But I mean, insanely impressive that he was leading the race. That's he was really fourth cool. last year with the same time and ninth this year in his age group with this yeah. with the same mm. time. I mean, you know? we can make a bunch of things up, like you know, it's you can't compare year to year, and courses are yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's all, true. All the things, but that's uh, true. Indian Wells is pretty it's standard. Getting, it's course, getting though. faster. Like triathlon's getting faster. The PTO is throwing a bunch of money into it. Like people are excited. It seems like a legit career opportunity. So yeah, it's going to get faster. Yeah, yeah. And but the, I, I think that some people are naturally, get naturally talented. That with the effort they're putting into the fitness, they'll get to the professional level and race well at that level. It's not all yeah. hard work, unfortunately. Yeah. Because yeah. like I said, I think people work harder than me and Eric, maybe, but don't get the results they want and dream of. There's there's just a lot that goes into the package of racing, and some people train like heroes and can't deliver on race day. It's yeah. It's really like yeah. a full picture, I w- full puzzle. I, w- I would say the, the more often, like the people who have these meteoric rises are, are a little bit talented and have like a high capacity for absorbing work quickly. But then like there's just a, there's a physiological limit of how much you can do, how much work you can put in over one week, over one month, over one year. And you just like bump up against that eventually. Yeah. And then there's people who like don't have that, that raw ability. Like Paula and I can go out and if the workout says like ride hundred percent of FTP, like Paula can just do 150% if required and to keep up with me. I just can't. And I, I think that's like a little bit of a, you know, there's like people like me who can put in a, like a big body of work over 10 years and maybe get to the same point that someone with a more talent can get over four years. But like, which one's better in the long term? Hard to say. And I think on a long enough timeline, it balances out a little bit. All right. Yeah. Uh, next question here is from Paulette from Toronto. Uh, actually, let's skip that one. Um, next question here is from Pam. Hi, Paul and Eric. We've reached that time of year where some of us have to deal with risky, icy roads. I believe you now have the coveted Woodway treadmills, which are great, although pricey. Can you discuss what you experienced with the Woodway and also other treadmills you've tried? Thanks, Pam. Yeah, I like this Mm. question. Um, Pam's also a really longtime supporter of TTL. So thank you, Pam. Thanks, Pam. Um, The Woodway is the nicest treadmill you'll ever run on, but it is very hard and non-forgiving. So if you see our videos, you see, maybe you see you have, we have a Woodway and we have a Life Fitness and the Life Fitness feels springier. It's bouncier. It's easier on your joints. It doesn't have that like uh, real world 
tarmac-y feel and the smoothness that you get from a woodway, but it is a little bit, um, I guess, easier to run a certain pace, really. Like the woodway feels very hard to run a four-minute K when I know what a four-minute K feels like outside versus I jump on the Life Fitness and a four-minute K feels like just bouncing through it. It's a little bit like putting super shoes on. Yeah, yeah. If I could relate it to anything versus the woodway is like running on like a nice track. Yeah, it's if like you a were track. To, if you were to close your eyes, like you might, it, it, it feels just like you're running on a nice track yeah. in regular shoes. So when do you choose one over the other? Like what are the, what are the parameters that make you choose one over the other? I'll pretty much always do the woodway because I just really like the smooth feel. But Eric will jump on the life fitness if we're running together and one of us needs to go on the other treadmill, but he'll pick it sometimes, I guess, for an easy run. If you're, well, I shouldn't speak for you. You can say yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like both, they're different stimuluses and I like, like doing both of them. Just like we say, you know, don't do all of your workouts in super shoes, like do one workout a week in them. Cause it's, it's a good, cool feeling. And that is like kind of race specific and it, but it's different. So whatever's speaking to you. Yeah. I'll, also our woodway is Bluetooth to Zwift. So we can, that's, that's kind so of a nice. difference maker. We can see on Zwift, like our pace, our incline, it like registers at all versus our life fitness isn't connected to Zwift, which is kind of nice sometimes just to like run to run, mm-hmm. not have it be interneted. But um, this question is, specifically which one would you consider buying? And I would say that my only advice there would be to, if you can buy a refurbished- um, Anything. A refurbished gym quality treadmill versus going to somewhere like Dick's Sporting Goods and buying the $1,000 home treadmill. Those will have limitations in speed. They won't last as long. The bounce is insanely crazy, but not in like a good way. It's almost like it flexes too much without- offering any cushioning. It's hard to explain. It it feels like when you put your foot on the belt of a $600 treadmill that you overpower the motor. Yeah. And for a fraction of a second, it's like, and then you, when you tow off, it like tries to catch back up. Yeah. So you had to kind of have this feeling of like, you're stepping in quicksand or something, but then it's like rocketing your foot back as you tow off. It's like this kind of weird feeling and it works. But if you're planning on doing a bunch of treadmill time, I would 100% go with the like refurbished gym quality. Yeah, I think we got our life fitness for like two grand or something, but it's like a $6,000 treadmill new and they replaced the belt and the motor was new and it's a super good treadmill that'll last us forever if we want it to. Yeah, we also, we had to replace like the buttons on it once and we had to get the motherboard sent in. You know, the, <laughs> yeah, it really has not been a perfect to, like, experience. The but- grand total of like, $750. So we're still way out way ahead under in yeah. the long run. Yeah. Yeah. I would really go to any place that sells refurbished gym equipment and, and check in on that. During COVID, we were trapped in Canmore for two weeks because you the COVID rules in Canada where you couldn't leave your property. So we did buy a $800 Canadian tire treadmill and we like ran the shit out of that treadmill and it served us super well. So if your budget is smaller, they're actually fine. Like they do the job. You're not running exclusively indoors, I would imagine. So they're totally fine. But if you want something that's going to last you years and years and you're going to look forward to running on it and you want to spend a bit more, then go with the refurbished. Yeah. But Eric, we both ran, we probably put like 30K a day on that treadmill. (laughs) Yeah, for two weeks. For two weeks straight at like high speeds. And it was 
totally I mean, fine. We, we bought it fully expecting that at any point in time it would just explode and it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And it saved our life. I yeah. trained on that treadmill up to the week before we left for Daytona in 2020. And then I won challenge Day- Daytona. Yeah. Daytona so winning really, treadmill. You're, you're saying it. If you, Pam, if you want to send us like a screenshot of what you're thinking, we'll give you some feedback. Nice. Just Pam. Just Pam. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 10 people like, my name is Pam. Here's a screenshot yeah. of what I want. Um, okay. Next question here is from Christina. Hi, TTL team. My question for the group is in regards to the filters used in your social media posts. What aesthetic filters do you use and do you pay for them? I love everything TTL. I'm feeling like I'm a part of the journey. Keep up the amazing work, Christina. Uh, it's not about the bike, dude. Hell yeah, Paula. I totally That's my answer. That's my only it's answer. Not, it's, not Next about question. The, it's about the light, bro. <laughs> I'm like this, my whole life. I feel like maybe you guys have had this too. Eric, I'm sure you've had this too. My whole life. It's like, wow, this is great. What mic did you use? Well, this Your looks good. Life? What camera do you use? Yeah. Since the age of three. Life. Yeah. Since I was three. <laughs> I, I, I just. What frames I, did you use? I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. Like. To whittling it down to the tools that you use. The tools are important, but I don't know. I get frustrated with this question and I get it in my inbox every day. Yeah, I think that all three of us, all maybe this sounds a little braggy, but all three of us take really good photos. And yes, maybe we filter them a little bit. Maybe we edit them, but that's not why they look cool. Mines are extremely edited. Nicks are pretty edited. Nicks are, those just look, Nick might be on the moon. Who's to say? I'm on, I'm on Venus and Mars with my photos. <laughs> but the, they're good even without the filter is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think it's like you have a little bit of a vision of how you want to, like what was your emotion when you took this picture? And you, and you lean into that a little bit when you do the editing. But it, it can't get around the fact of like it was just bad light and it was overcast and you took it from the wrong angle and your subject isn't you know in the right spot. So if, if I could do something, I think probably the most beneficial thing you could do would be like watch a YouTube video on just like photographic compositional concepts, rule of thirds, backlit versus side lit, things like this and, and dial in, making sure that you're just starting with a, a picture that is like taken properly. And then you can like kind of lean into how contrasty it is, you know, positive or negatively, how saturated it is, things things like this that we get into when we edit pictures. At a very, I'm not as advanced as you two at editing at all, but I do find that some of the presets that we've purchased on Lightroom, they one preset doesn't look good on every photo. It's so dependent yeah. on the original photo. So if it's really bright or if it has like a human with a lot of skin in it, some of the presets make it look really bad. So it's not like a one size fits all package you really have to still, even if you put a preset, edit that so that it comes out good. Right, Nick? That's exactly, mm-hmm. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would, I would say maybe even more than half the time when people ask, oh, I really like that. What did you take that on? It's with an iPhone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so it, it was me up till yesterday. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's, you can get really, really good pictures with an iPhone. And the thing that is beautiful about iPhone is that you can take a picture and you can instantly look at it and go, what do I like or not like about this? Like, take a look, look think of it like you're in school a little bit and, and break it down. And take that pic- same picture, if you can, of a flower from like four or five different angles. Just like, I'm taking the pictures of this flower for the next two minutes, even if I get 50 pictures, and like, which one do I like the most and why do I like it? And you have that instant feedback. Yeah. Know what I like about my new camera, actually? 
more than anything, is like a, now I leave my phone in the car and just take the camera because I treat my camera, I treat my phone like it's a camera. Oh. And then I always have Instagram and Strava and like texting 24-7 mm. on me. So now that I have this super cool camera, I can bring it on walks, I can take it to the coffee shop, I can take it to the pool and not have my phone with me, but still capture cool pictures. So if anyone's thinking about buying a camera, that's one of the biggest things I've noticed just in like two days. Wow. That's a good Love little it. life hack. That's a good little life hack. Yeah. I do think Eric and I at some point are still going to do like a video or kind of a special episode where we talk about maybe, I don't know about composition because I think that one's very personal, but we could get kind of specific about how we edit Drones. stuff. Drones. <laughs> I think Eric and I have a different approaches to how we edit stuff, but we both get to a place where we're happy with the way the images look. Yeah, I'd be interested to watch that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's do As it. As a new e- photographer. Even if we don't put it out, we can <laughs> talk about it and see how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh, okay. Next question here is from Joy. Hi, TTL parents. Triathlon and relationships. So Paula and Eric are engaged. It's a three-way engagement. Nick's, <laughs> Nick's right. involved. Uh, I'm in a long-term relationship with someone who is incapable of swimming and unwilling to run. So we cycle together a lot. And there's a wonderful Sherpa slash cheerleader there for me on race days. I've seen triathlon improve my relationship since I'm doing something for myself and I make myself proud when I show up for myself. This seeps into our relationship. Not all of my friends are into exercise and at some point in training, I have to skip pickleball and Zumba to minimize my knee and hip pain. I also find myself wanting more rest and less evenings out eating and drinking. How do you think exercise has to factor into relationships for training triathletes? Wait, is she talking about her... her romantic relationship or her friendships yeah it's it's a bit of both my friendships during training often feel disconnected Mm. as well so it's a little bit of both yeah because I can relate to that like this at this time in my life as I'm going through and making wedding invite lists of friends my closest friends now are triathletes or athletes or people that I exercise with um, and I don't keep in touch as much with my high school friends who don't do sports. So it just is such a, it's not that I don't have time for them. It's just like you, you are drawn to people with similar interests and it's why the three of us get along so well (laughs) most of the time. Um, And it's just such a big part of our lives that to keep relationships with people where they don't care at all about it is, is hard. But I think that what you said about it's strengthening your relationship because you feel better and you're more confident and you or making yourself proud, that is a really interesting observation. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be through sport. Someone might get that through art or through photography or through their dog or whatever. But that's cool. I'll say and for me, anecdotally, as far as friendship goes, I just had my birthday last week and at a party, and I noticed that it was like pretty much 50-50 split of musicians and athletes. But I did notice that... The musicians were all friends that I have had for many, many, many years. And the athletes are, it seems like all my new friends are athletes. Yeah. And you see them every day. I see them every day. It's just, it's hard, you know, it's hard to make a friend with someone that right now that I can't bike or run or swim with because it takes up so much of my free time during the week when I'm not working. Yeah. Your free time is spent doing those activities. So you meet up with your, your athlete friends. Yeah. And then in my relationships, my last relationship, I met the girl the night before my first triathlon ever. And uh, at the end, like, sadly, triathlon was 
a big reason for, not a big reason, but it's definitely one of the main reasons that if the relationship ended up failing. Uh, and, you know, she be began, and understandably so, to resent the amount of time and energy and passion I had for triathlon. So, I, I, and I remember thinking, like, I just can't ever date uh, someone who isn't or wasn't uh, like a very serious endurance athlete. But not too serious. <laughs> not too serious. They, they, have to un they have to understand what that's like and the, the commitment that it takes to train for triathlon like 15 hours a week or however, however long, you know, anyone trains. Yeah. So what exactly was this person's question, though? Are all your friends try friends? Any reflections on pre-try days to now? Mm. Yeah, I kind of already answered that. But I wouldn't have met Eric if I wasn't doing triathlon. And I wouldn't be doing triathlon still if I hadn't met Eric. Wow. Also, I wouldn't have met you guys if it wasn't for triathlon. And who knows what my relationship with triathlon would be if I hadn't met you guys now. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's here to stay for my whole life, for sure. And I think that would have been the case either way, but I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Eric's silent. He's... Well, I think he's thinking. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this has just sent me on a serious, introspective journey. Because Paula, Paula and my entire relationship, like, it's not like we weren't doing triathlon prior to meeting each other. So, um, triathlon obviously brought us together. Um, but, but I just like the, the one thing that I can, <laughs> without uh, just spiraling off in a chain of um, like a stream of consciousness, is I do remember thinking um, prior to meeting Paula, like that. I think the ideal like partner would be a retired professional athlete of some sort so that they weren't necessarily like we weren't competing with each other for like whose career matters more, but they like understand that I have to do what I got to do with the sport. And it's not like I'm just going and riding my bike for fun and right. you know, like screwing yep. off in the woods or like whatever. But cause I like prior to Paula, like had, um, some relationships with persons like, oh, you like swam yesterday. Why do you have to go swim today? And like that was <laughs> right. that was a problem to try yeah, to understand. Right. I was like, yeah, like on paper that doesn't make sense. That's a lot of swimming. Um, but I think like Paula and I like have the best of of both worlds, and we balance it pretty well. Of like we both understand really well what each, each other is trying to accomplish and like what it means psychologically to be chasing after this thing that doesn't make sense to a lot of people and the give and take of it and. Um, so like at the the very base is level, we, we understand and like have compassion and understanding for like our journeys. Yeah. I think that's what it is. It's that empathy mm -hmm. that it kind of needs to be there for that. Yeah. Like you don't necessarily have to be like, Oh, I want to go do that with you. But like, I totally understand. And I may understand that it completes you and makes you happy and gives you purpose. And I'm, I'm here for that. Yeah. Cool. Next question here is from Megan. What's up, TTL? Not Flynn, though. F*** that guy. Doesn't do a thing for the pod. Sure is cute, though. <laughs> I, You know what? I guess I feel like I have to I have to speak up on this because I was initially like, oh, God, why has everybody got to include Flynn? He's just over there sleeping on the ground and asking to go for a walk at the most inconvenient times. Um, but he brings us a lot of happiness and a lot of joy, especially Paula and, and like the triathlon spouse thing, like, it balances out the whole thing and it makes us happy. So he brings a lot, even though he's not here, you know, answering your questions about uh, faster transitions. Although uh, we have revived Flynn Strava and in his absence of Strava for a, several months, Nick has skyrocketed ahead of, Nick, of Flynn in the, <laughs> oh, in the follower count. <laughs> so if you're new here 
and you don't know about Flynn, he's our dog, and he has a Strava account, and it's super funny. We just strap a Wahoo rival to him while he runs and walks with us, and Eric manages the titles in their in my opinion, very funny. So go give Flynn a follow. It's Flynn, the D- GWP. Also, like, go check out Nick's account. And if Nick's account, like, strikes your fancy and you like his edited pictures oh, and Nick's everything, like... Oh, Nick's account is beautiful. We're by no means trying to get pity follows for Flynn in no, this contest. I just feel like most people are on this pod are already following Nick, but um, Nick's Strava is... Excellent. I will say well. that I don't think anyone puts more effort into their Strava than I do in no. anyone on earth. It's but, like a uh, it's like a daily Strava exercise blog yeah. with pictures. Um, but I will say Flynn's Flynn's Strava is my favorite Strava account. Uh, the question, by the way, uh, I was recently listening to the pod where Nick called the reversible tank a penny, and Paula referenced playing dodgeball in PE, which is physical education. As an elementary physical education teacher, I'm curious to hear what your experience was like in PE. Thousands of kids do not receive a quality comprehensive health and physical education program and are leaving high school with no clue how to live an active and healthy lifestyle. I could rant forever about what a quality health and physical education program looks like, so please hit me with any follow-up questions. Wish you all the best in the off-season. Thanks for all you do. P.S. Can you tell me to get a new bike? Thanks, Megan. Uh, Megan! You know what it's a great time for right now? A new bike. You should get a new this bike. Is the absolute best time of the year. Bike prices are at an all-time low. Fantastic time to buy the bike. From a, If you can get it from a local bike shop, that's even better. As a physical education teacher, I feel like this borderline, if you ride it around the track during like one, you know, like PE session, that's a tax write-off too. So That's right. That's you're right. basically financially obligated to do this. Okay, so what do you guys think? How was your PE education growing up how would you how would you classify it i think this might be like top three questions of the year wow really love this is great um for me like the first thing that stands out when you say pe is running the mile monday wednesday friday in pe in middle school we had like a mile bark chip loop and that was just like how we started pe class on monday wednesday and friday was we go run the mile and i was like the kid that tried to run the mile fast and got made fun of for like trying and then it got to the point by the time I was in eighth grade that I was trying to do like two miles and like lap some of the kids that were doing one mile. So I was like maximum loser. But that, that's like <laughs> what sticks out to me in PE. And then we would go like shoot some hoops or like do the physical education test or, or something like that. Do you feel like you got a good education on how to keep yourself healthy, how to exercise in a healthy way? Does any of that no. come into it? No. No. It was just like, let's go burn some energy is like mentally what I remember. Of Are you thinking about like elementary school? or Middle school. Which is like grade six, seven, eight, nine. Six, six seven, eight. Okay. It's and different then, in Canada. Yeah. And then like nine, 10, 11, 12 through high school, I was like taking rec sports as an elective and like aquatics as an elective. So I was just filling out like all the PE credits to just give myself fun stuff to do in between history class. Wait, all your, all your credits, didn't you have to take some credits in like real, in chemistry, et cetera? Some, I okay. mean, but like... I yeah, you could take rec sports and aquatic sports and just yeah. like go play water polo for one period a week, you know. And yeah, we could not do it. that. Yeah, I could not do that either. But I don't feel like it was philosophical at all. I feel like it was just kind of all right. Here's the swimming pool, and we're here's like the different games we're gonna play, and yeah, whatever. Um, I think I think in high school, phys ed was an option. I don't even know if we were required to do phys ed, but I can't really remember exactly. But I 
really dreaded phys ed class in elementary school, in junior high school, in high school, because I was so bad at all the sports. And I feel like the culture where like when you're picking teams and you have two team leaders and you're like, I pick Jimmy and I pick Sal and you're doing back and forth picking teams. I was last every time because I was so bad and I was so shy. So funny. Well, well, these are all coordination-based, not it was stuff like aerobic-based. Dodgeball, basketball, volleyball. Right. You know, gym sports that you're playing indoors. I live in Edmonton. It's freezing cold. We're in a gymnasium. So right. lacrosse, like all the sports. And I think what it was good for is exposing us to all those sports and the rules and team dynamics, teamwork. But I personally dreaded it because I hated the feeling of being so bad at something and have everyone like knowing that I was bad at it. Right. I don't know. I wasn't like the most popular kid. So I wasn't getting picked based on popularity and I definitely wasn't getting picked based on skills. And I can remember some of my best friends in elementary were like the star basketball player and everybody knew it and she would get picked first. So I think that if you can eliminate some of that, if you're a facet teacher, wow. it's just better overall for like kids self-confidence. But yeah, I hated gym. But I was good at running. So every time we did like cross country or ran warm up, I was good at that. <laughs> but that's about that all. Is, I'm, I think I'm a little surprised that you weren't good at those coordination based sports because you danced a lot, which helps with that kind of stuff. Yeah, but dancing too was kind of, it's like not seen as a sport really. Yeah, I finished school every day and I went to dancing and it's extremely physically difficult, but it's not. Um, I wasn't a sporty kid, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's it, really. It, that's and what's really interesting. like dancing is still like you're practicing a routine. You're practicing a move that leads into another move versus basketball is like a bit hectic. You're making it up as you go and it's just like fully reactionary. It's dynamic, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I do think it's like so important for, for obviously for kids to do phys ed class and to make it. I mean, I, I honestly had way more fun at recess where we could go outside and just play with our friends and run around and play kick the can and whatever we did. Play kick yeah, the kick. can? What is this like? Kick the can is super fun. Kick and you end up fun as You shit. end up running like way more than you do in basketball. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> yeah, we, like did, we did that in the cul-de-sac as well. Post-apocalyptic games. Like, this is pre-apocalyptic. <laughs> this is pre-cell phones, pre-game boys. This actually this, makes me wonder stuff. like, what is the regulations on like middle school kids having devices at school because I could see recess now just being like sit on your phone outside time. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Whereas we didn't have phones. We were like playing games. You're freaking dig a hole in the dirt or something. Yeah. I'll say that I went to New York public school for high school and I, as far as I can tell, I had a, I cannot say one bad thing about my physical education class. I feel like I Mm. learned a lot. I learned a lot about how to exercise in a healthy way, about stretching, about strengthening. Yeah. We learned about the body. We played a bunch of different sports and learned the the rules of the different sports. I also personally had a fantastic time doing it. It was yeah. very fun. Um, that fear that Paula has about like being picked last, I think even if I were to have been picked last, it would it doesn't have as much of an impact because I'm just so excited by the idea of like doing this group activity. Yeah. I was picked. <laughs> yeah, I got picked. <laughs> I, got, I, I will say that like my phys ed teachers from high school, I still keep in touch with them. They're still really? like my adult friends. Yeah, because they were the best teachers. I don't know. Wow. We just, I feel like they were, they're active all day too, right? Like they're on their feet, they're in the gym, they're in the running shoes yeah. and they're, 
They were always in a good mood. They're not doing that for the money. Well, I'm, shout out to Mr. Davis at Oyster Bay High School. I don't think you teach uh, phys ed anymore, and you're definitely not listening to this podcast, but I appreciated <laughs> the work you did for us. I wouldn't even be surprised. Mrs. Chizotti might actually listen to the pod, so if she is, wow. then- Eric, do you want to shout out a phys ed teacher? I really wish I could go back to my high school. Like, could anytime. I, I, mean, I remember seeing my physical education teacher from sixth grade, like three years ago. Like, I saw him get out of his truck. He had the same truck. I knew exactly. Who, like, and I would go give him a hug. Did you guys call it PE or did you call it gym? We called it gym. Oh, uh, maybe. Uh, I think. I think. I think PE, but we colloquially called it gym. <laughs> Yeah. I remember when yeah. I was, when you started middle, we, middle school for us is junior high, which is seven, eight, nine. It started to become mandatory to like change yeah. Yeah. your outfit yeah, you to, for you gym. You had to put shorts on. And I hated that because I was so shy and I did not want to like shower or be any kind of naked in front of other people. Wait, so you guys, did really, you guys shower? Did you guys shower? Yeah, there were showers in there. We did not shower. And that's something I think about and I laugh about when I think, so wait, we all like ran around, got soaking wet and sweat. And they're like, all right, put pants back on and go to chemistry class. It's like, yeah. wait a second, this is crazy. I don't, I don't think there were any showers till high school. Mm-hmm. We never showered. Middle school, high school, after gym, not a single time did that ever happen. Wow. We just went really to the rest of our classes. I, I think I did a little bit. I don't know, whatever. But there were showers in the room. We And just the fact that you had to change clothes. I mean, I'm all for that idea, but also it's a weird time in life. <laughs> it is, it is for sure. I never, th- I guess I it's never all, thought it's about it. It's all traumatic. It, yeah. Like, are you wearing a bra? Is it a oh, sports bra? Oh, I see. I think girls in that time can be a little more. Yeah, whatever experience you and I, Nick, had, it was 10% of whatever experience yeah, Paula totally. and the other ladies had. <laughs> well, this is our last question here is I feel like, Oh boy, we are we were going long here. The last That's question fine. here is is kind of related to this, but um, as amazingly fast professional triathletes already, do you find that when you compare yourself to years past, you're getting better and faster? Are you at the apex of your athletic abilities, or do you think that if you continue to train day after day, year after year, you will continue to shave seconds or even minutes off of your paces? My follow up question is: At this point in your life, are you striving to be better for yourself or to pay your bills? That's both great, both great questions. So Paula and Eric, do you, is there any part in your head that's like next year could be the, like the year that I'm, I hope it's the year that I'm the fastest I've ever been. Mm. Yeah, I, a little bit. Yeah. Little I, bit I feel me. like if that's completely gone, that's when you retire. Got it. Yeah. I do think there are like, there are aspects of my sporting life that'll never be faster than they were when I was younger. Like your swim or whatever. Yeah, like my swim and even my running. I think that was at its peak when I was in high school. But um, I think that it doesn't mean that my half marathon can't be better because back then I was running 1500s and 3Ks. So I think my focus has shifted. I'm running a TT bike now. I'm trying to run longer distances. I'm trying to be a well-rounded adult versus just an Olympic robot who only thinks about triathlon. So there's like a lot of other aspects that come into it. And I'd say... My motivation is less to, what, what were the other options? Like to make money or to. Striving to better for yourself or to because pay your Because you bills. want to be. Oh, just for my own satisfaction? Yeah, no. That's not. Well, I, it, that's not true though. Like I, I, you, I know that you do care a lot about getting faster and performing well at races. And it's not just for the paycheck. I know that's, I know that's yeah. true. Yeah. I was going to say neither of those are really true, tr- the full truth. 
I'm not yeah. motivated by money necessarily, but it's easy to say that when I'm making a living doing it. You well, know? we don't have to put this on the pod and maybe we'll only put it on if, if you feel comfortable with this. But if you won $20 million today, would you just retire immediately from triathlon or would you continue to race mm. kind of the same? Yeah, I would still race. I, that's and Eric, you would too, right? Like you're, uh, you guys are not doing this for the paycheck as much as no. I know that you kind of organize races to try to like maximize what it is. Yeah, but also if we were making no money at doing this, I would go be a doctor. Totally right. I mean, out of necessity. But if we were making a <laughs> tiny amount of money, I would enough still to survive, go be a doctor. I would continue doing this. Mm. Like when, for me, when I when I fantasize about about races, it's not about like crossing the finish line and holding a giant check and then paying yeah, my course. mortgage. Of it's course. about like sprinting down the line with somebody and like feeling good and feeling like I got the most out of myself, and that's that's like the most fulfilling thing. And then pff, bonus, like you made you made some money mm-hmm. totally. Um, and it's the same thing with the sponsors. Like I get excited about like working with a cool brand that we've always been excited about and then we relate to products and everything and then like bonus. Yes, we're we're getting paid to do the thing that we kind of already want to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Don't tell and our sponsors. And we're in the luxury position of being <laughs> right. like, oh, I don't fully align with that brand even though they're offering money. No, yeah, thank you. Exactly. It's funny how much <laughs> the listeners are not privy to that. Like I hear, I hear it from you guys and maybe there's even things you don't tell me. Uh, how many times their sponsors are interested in sponsoring you guys and you turn it down and not because the money's not good enough. I can think of an example very recently where the money was definitely good enough, but it's just like, no, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't us, you know? Yeah. yeah exactly. And that's happened many times. So when you guys have like whatever sponsorship with someone, it's because you're like, yeah, this is us. This aligns with us. Yeah. yeah. I, I think philosophically we've, we've both been like that through our careers. Um, and that's like kind of a long game and a thing that you're building a brand and you're, you're aligning with people that you believe in and everything rather than taking the next quickest paycheck. But it, it pays off long term and it certainly has for us. And, and now we're, very, yeah, like you said, very blessed to be in the position where we're working with the companies that we want to. We're getting paid the amount of money that we feel our time is worth and everything. And it's, it's, it's all symbiotic and it feels great and it's awesome. I will say when I'm, when I'm watching like some of these YouTube videos of pro triathletes that are Zwifting in their bedroom beside their bed, I'm like, I couldn't. Yeah. Like the fact that we've been able to build a a setup in a separate room and, you know, maybe we shouldn't put this in the podcast, but I could never do that. I do not like the sport enough to do that. I will counter that by saying (laughs) I did that. (laughs) Maybe when I was 20, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think things are a little bit different now and what we're willing to put up with, but, um, that's that's how it starts. For, that's how it for, starts for a lot of people. Yes, that's definitely how people. it starts. But I think when this person's asking, like, are you still doing it to this day, twenty years later, mm-hmm. for self fulfillment or for money? It's like leaning a little more on the money side now that we're thirty four. Yes, for sure. You got to you got to think about your your life as a whole, knowing that we can't, our bodies won't be able to be professional triathletes forever. Right. So much respect to people that do that, but yeah. I even, I think that there's a part of that that's this indefeatable optimistic spirit that is within every person that when yeah. they're training next to their bed, they're not thinking these are the glory days. They're thinking I'm building something so that I don't have to always do this. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. 
I mean, when I was doing that kind of stuff, I was like, this is sick. And when they make yeah. a documentary, they're going to use a clip of me riding yeah. next to my bed, yeah. freaking slobbering on my pillow. And it's going to be right. badass. Right. That's like, the, that's the mindset you got to be in. And you're like, this is setting the stage and this hardcoreness is cool because someday right. it'll be worth it. And you know, like live now, you know, like nobody will. So someday you can live like others yeah. can't that whole thing. Right. I think Ooh, it was, I, I don't know if we want to say names, but Ari Clow like flips his mattress up so he can Dude. set up his kicker. I'm like, dude, apply for TTL Devo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I love that. I was just texting him today about his race because he had a rough Indian Wells race. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, man, that guy just grinds it out, and I love it. Yeah. Love I it. really – we love his YouTube because he's super honest, and he really shows the grind, quote-unquote, oh, yeah. like the mattress thing. Yeah. yeah. He's also pretty funny, I think, yeah, and relatable. Funny. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he's a art, uh, music artist as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great musician. Yeah. Cool. If anyone still wants to apply for TTL Devo team, we are accepting applications until Friday, which is tomorrow. Had some great ones so far. It's really fun to read through them. I love spending my time doing that. Yeah. Psyched. Psyched for next year. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And thanks to everyone who's bought a kit so far. There's been a lot of people, but uh, really the more people that buy kits, the more money we can give to the Devo team. This is not a selfish pursuit, but... We do selfishly like to see a lot of kits in the wild. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's a win, win, win. That was a long podcast. Yeah. I was into it though. That was a long podcast. Now I got to edit it tonight. <laughs> good questions. That was a good one. Well, thank you so much everyone for listening. That was actually two weeks worth of questions because we had HJ on last week, which right. we loved that podcast. That was super yes. fun. Yeah. If you missed that, that, go back and listen to that one. Hopefully you guys liked it too. If you did, we'll do more with other guests. Maybe hopefully have Heather back sometime. Sleep week this week. Oh, yeah. Have fun. And we can't wait to see how everyone does with it. But sleep week starts tomorrow because Nick's going to be editing this pod till 3 a.m. probably. Yeah. <laughs> this is why it's taken us so long to do sleep week because it's like, oh, Nick's yeah. got to go to Italy and I've got to like drive the van for 27 hours to get to a place. And yeah, then, like, exactly. you know, like this is not a convenient time for me to like focus on my sleep, which is, I guess that's the moral of the story. You need to prioritize the sleep all the time. Yeah. And here we go. We're doing it this week. Uh, all right. Well, that's it. Bye, guys. Later, everybody.